I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. <laughs> Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the ten hours of game. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears in rain. You are now listening to Enter VR, the podcast where we talk about all things virtual reality. I'm Chris Miranda, your host, and on today's show, I'm speaking with Monica Joe. Um, and before I, I sort of say um, the really cool thing that Monica, uh, I know Monica for right now, uh, here's a quick story. Uh, I was at the San Francisco Virtual Reality Meetup uh, a few weeks ago, and Carl Krantz comes up to me. He's like, you need to meet someone. And I go, all right, and, and, and he introduces me to you, Monica, and Carl's like, Chris, Monica got married in virtual reality, and I was like, what? My, like, my mind was, you know, I couldn't understand how, how is that possible, how could that be? You know, unless Monica was from the future, I, there is no other way that she could have been married in, in virtual reality, and then Carl Krantz drops the plot twist, she got married in virtual reality 20 years ago. And my mind exploded uh, at that point. And uh, I just want to thank you, first of all, <laughs> for lending me your time and coming on this uh, show. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. I don't know if I should say I'm sorry or you're welcome. <laughs> um, I, I'm uh, honored. And thank you. Thank okay. you, actually. <laughs> because that was, uh, that was something really cool and sort of out of the blue for me to, to meet this, this, this person that... You got married in virtual reality. I I must know what the story is. What what, what happened? Um, yeah. So yeah, just sort of you know getting it a out little, of the way. How did you get married in virtual reality? Yeah, a little back to the future, back to the past kind of moment. Mm. Um. So I studied anthropology in in college and. Um, I think that was that actually fueled my initial interest in virtual reality. Something about not just studying humans in their um, natural habitat, if you will, but actually um, observing humans in worlds that they create out of their imagination. And um, so that was probably the most compelling and captivating thing. Uh, you know, as much as VR has really enwrapped people today, um, you know, we were equally really enamored by the technology back then, you know, 20 years ago, as Chris mentioned. And it was virtually, um, no pun intended, but really hard to access. Um, and But one of the ways to access it was through um, a company called um, CyberMind that had location-based entertainment centers. So they were pretty much like arcades, but specializing in virtual reality gaming. Um, and the game's cost, you know, it was a, uh, it was not cheap. It was about a dollar a minute to, to um, experience virtual reality. And so it was out of reach for most people. You know, that's, if you think about it, $60 an hour to experience virtual reality it's far more accessible today, right? Mm -hmm. But that's how we we um, were able to get close, up close and personal with this with this really cool technology. And so I started working for CyberMind because I was so attracted to the technology, and found a lot of anthropologists actually there amongst my colleagues, you know, and. It was really fascinating. Everyone was just sort of in the same mindset of studying this technology and its potential. Um, 
you know, of what it meant to create worlds that we interact in, um, you know, just creating these worlds out of our imagination. And while it was just really pretty much um, in gaming environments, you could still see and feel the potential. And so when my then uh, fiance and I, uh, you know, talked about how we wanted our wedding to be and we wanted it to be memorable and we didn't want to spend a lot of money. So we actually considered eloping. And so one of our, our friends said, you know, don't do that. You know, it, we should have fun with it. And, you know, maybe you can have the wedding reception at one of the uh, VR locations, the gaming locations. And so at the time I was doing, you know, marketing and PR for the company. And so I said, you know, it sparked an idea. I said, how cool would it be to get married in a virtual environment, to be immersed in this um, wedding environment that is not, that doesn't exist in the real world? And, you know, show a different application of VR um, beyond gaming. Not that there was anything inherently wrong with gaming, but as, as a, a, a student of people and um, of anthropology, I wanted to find and maybe demonstrate how VR could, um, could be used in a non-gaming environment for something very personal very personal event and, you know, culturally kind of considered significant. Could you pull it off with that much technology? And so that's where it started. Um, so I, I talked to, you know, the executives of the company. They loved the idea. We started pulling the people together. And so everything started, you know, by just creating this immersive environment um, from scratch, hmm. you know, we didn't want to get married in um, a shoot 'em up <laughs> kind of environment, <laughs> um, and so it actually, you know, we confronted a lot of questions about, well, what would it look like? You know, sort of, it's limitless what you could do. You could create something that's completely abstract you know, fractals and such. And we had to consider who was going to be in the audience, which was, you know, older generation, our grandparents, and we needed them to connect with it, even though it was some, you know, very geeky and high tech. So we came up with um, a, our version of, you know, Plato's Atlantis, uh, because it's, it could be a recognizable place, um, but impossible to get married in because it doesn't exist. And so, you know, we took some kind of, you know, license, um, artistic license as to what this place might look like. And so, um, you know, we had our faces scanned and um, texture mapped onto the, um, our 3D, our, our virtual selves. Even for that, we had to make some decisions whether or not we were going to be our regular selves or idealized selves or entirely something else. Um, so we just went with our regular selves and, um, you know, it, I, I, we thought that it was enough to be doing this kind of in a very um, unusual way. So we didn't want to push the envelope too much. Um, so, yeah, so we were our ideal, our, our regular selves and immersed in, you know, our version of Atlantis. And um, we also worked with um, musicians, um, some friends of ours who scored the software from the very beginning because, you know, one of the things that I noticed was that VR is so rich in graphics and there's such a concentration in graphics that oftentimes um, the audio and sound effects are just an afterthought. And so we wanted to make sure that the programmers and the um, artists and also the musicians all worked together from the very beginning of the project. And um, so it was, you know, just going through that process was really 
phenomenal. And also we had a um, uh, friend who was a fashion designer here locally in San Francisco. And so he created these great um, wedding attire for us and um, which actually came up. There was an issue with my dress because there was a lot of metal in it. And so one of the things that we had to keep testing was whether or not it was going to throw off the trackers. Um, And, you know, all these things that no bride I know has ever has ever (laughs) had to really confront. And so and I didn't wear a veil. I I wore a, you know, head mounted display that we borrowed from a defense contractor down in Carlsbad. I think they're still around or their products are still around um, at least some version of it. Um, yeah, so we cobbled together, um, you know, uh, everything was made from scratch and we borrowed the equipment. Um, all told, I think they said if, if we had to pay for everything, it, it would cost, it would have cost back then about a million dollars. Um, so we went from eloping to having uh, a wedding that was that had a million dollar price tag. Um, given all the equipment that we borrowed, if we had to actually pay for it or buy it and all the time of everyone involved to pull it off. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And so, I mean, the price point, you know, I was talking to Carl about this. um, The real inflection point is really just the, the, how much the price has dropped, which has made virtual reality technology so much more accessible which is super exciting yeah it is um i have so many questions to ask you that are just buzzing through my head i usually go into these conversations with having studied people and and figure you know and, and getting their backstories so that i can come in prepared for this particular conversation i and I wanted to make sure that I that I felt genuinely surprised for the technical and logistical aspects of, of this because I see I saw some pictures you showed me some pictures at the at the meetup and I was like that is that is no joke that is a legitimate virtual reality wedding that I was looking at through through those pictures and so the first logistical question that I that I must get out of my mind man my neighbors are loud um, uh, is uh, how was the groom able to kiss the bride at the end? <laughs> Logistics. Um, we we had a virtual kiss, and then we had a real kiss. Oh, so okay. we were actually, we um, stood in um, these uh, VR pods that housed the trackers, which were about 12 feet apart, and then the um, the so the minister, my um, the so bridegroom and minister who officiated were immersed, and um, and then the the uh, our family and friends and um, some members of the press, you know, um, saw our points of view via video walls, and so we did like a a, a virtual hug and a virtual kiss. And then we stepped out of the pods, took the head-mounted displays off, and it had a real kiss. <laughs> Wow, that uh, that's so awesome to, and and then you had, okay, so so the next question, it, like, how were people reacting back then, and you know, what were some of the things that people would say about about this, this is really cool thing. In my mind, I mean, this is like the coolest thing ever. Uh, but how how were people reacting at the time? Um, it act it definitely sort of ran the gamut, if you will. My mm. boss, um. He was like, uh, he was much more nervous than, say, my father, who was the father of the bride. He actually couldn't be inside the the building where we were um, getting married because he said he was having literal just, you know, he was losing sleep over it um, because he said, what if everything crashed and we had to reboot the wedding? Um, and you know, he just had these nightmares of me running out of the building and being very upset. So that was one reaction. And I said, you know what? The technology is where it is. If it crashes, that's part of the story. Our friends and family are there. There's a minister there. We're getting married that day, no matter what. So, you know, don't worry about it. 
Um, but we did have, you know, about 100, 150 uh, press members of the press and media. So um, it did make him nervous. And he also thought that maybe they needed to have a backup couple, um, you know, in line just in case I changed my mind, <laughs> which um, was not going to happen. So from that to, you know, family members who didn't really know what to think of it and or my um, mom who said that, can you have this wedding and like a regular one? And so I said, you know, very respectfully, no, I'm getting married only this once. And I know it's really wacky. And the only thing you can do is order the cake because she didn't know how to deal with the rest of the the chaos around the wedding. Um, but, you know, everyone was very accepting. People felt like they were, um, you know, the word pioneer was thrown around. You know, I think maybe people didn't know how to process it exactly. Um, but they knew it was something that was certainly, um, uh, you know, culturally pushing the envelope. And I think the PR um, folks who were supporting us, um, one of them got a um, statement from, you know, um, a VR um, influencer and luminary, um, Jaron Lanier. And he said that, well, just as long as they're getting married in a, um, in a, environment that is actually custom made for them then that makes sense but if we're getting married just sort of being dropped into um the the most popular game at the time was dactyl nightmare so that didn't seem appropriate for a wedding at all so um you know we went the route of um super customized kind of virtual environment um yeah so it was um there was a lot of excitement, maybe a lot of confusion, <laughs> um, a little bit. And, um, you know, it, it was, it, I would do it again. Um, you know, it's, it was a, a great way to get married, um, and sort of, you know, show off what virtual reality can do, um, in this, in, in, in this type of way other than gaming. How did the minister react? Was he like, let me let me guess, you want me to marry you in, in virtual reality? I mean, what, what was his reaction? Or was he like, this is cool? I, I... We did have to find someone who was open to the idea. Um, you know, it's not in anybody's um, books around theology or, you know, whatever it is, their training in seminary that, you know, that points them in the direction of, you know, very clearly, is this right, wrong, or, you know, whatever. Um, and so we had, we approached a couple of different ministers. And so we found one who was comfortable with um, all this use of technology, but it is interesting because one of the um, interviews that we did, we did an interview with um, BBC Radio, and um, the interviewer asked us um, or posed it this way and said, um, don't you think what you're doing is immoral? And um, I had actually, the, the question caught me off guard, and and, and I said that, you know, not at all. You know, it, we, we still held the, the whole event quite sacred, and we did have a, um, a minister officiating it. It wasn't trying to make a mockery out of, um, out of the whole um, event, but this was sort of a, you know, personal, very personal way to make... Um, to have all of our worlds collide, you know, our love for technology and, um, you know, really, truly just trying to make our day memorable. To, I, I, am, I, I usually withhold opinion, but that is, um, that is a, a, what am I saying? I, I'm always opinionated. Uh, I, but that is a very close-minded journalist that, that would ask <laughs> that kind of question. That it, like, I, I don't, I personally don't see how how can you make the connection between morality and getting married in virtual reality and you know putting I just don't see the 
at, at all. Like, how, why would he say that? Do you, <laughs> I mean, I I'm sure you don't spend much time thinking about that, but like, that is just so odd for someone like to say something like that, immoral. That's weird. Yeah, well, I guess maybe because it wasn't um, traditional, it was unconventional, and it was definitely not set in a, um, you know, the setting, the, the usual sort of religious institution setting of a church and and what have you. And so it didn't have the trappings of all of the, you know, very traditional um, event and um, maybe he thought, if I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, that maybe all this technology is um, pushing out and crowding out the whole notion of how spiritual the event is. Hmm. Um, so potentially that's where he was coming from. It was, you know, a very short um, live interview. And so, um, you know, the question was what it was. And it never even dawned on me to to consider that what we might be doing might be a you know might become a moral issue yeah um i was a hundred percent okay with it obviously um and yeah that's so. that well that's um, uh, it's awesome that you did and it's just amazing that you were you did it uh at that time when you know i I, I find it hard to believe like that's just so cool like that is um but you know I I I see that you pulled a lot of strings to make it you know come together so and it seems like you also were uh in the right situation with the right you know people can you know um so that's cool yeah are you the first or, or are you are there have there have there been other weddings in virtual reality that you might be aware of um, you know, it's, it, it's just hard to believe that no one else has done it. Maybe, um, if, if you think of what folks have done, maybe, uh, you know, in second life, um, after, after that, maybe there have been some ceremonies there. I don't know. I have not heard of any, anyone in, in the exact same way in terms of having the, um, environment, very much custom, um, you know, super customized, very personalized uh, for for the um, bride and groom. You know, there had been talk of creating different venues where maybe you can have, um, where it's easy to swap out the environment, but the, you know, the, the framework is there and ready. You know, people talked about hmm. um Vegas type of weddings in virtual reality where it's an Elvis wedding and what have you. If you can't make it to Vegas, at least you can maybe be there virtually. Um, those, those kinds of things. I mean, I love the fact that, you know, people can, um, uh, you know, personalize it just to the nine, just to in the, in a really ultimate, in the ultimate sense, yeah. um, when there are no bounds, you know, people have done, weddings and other venues and the underwater wedding, the skydiving wedding and all of that. And so, um, you know, all those sort of novelty ways of doing it, but no, I actually have not heard of, of anyone else. Um, neither have so I. Curious. Yeah. I, 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 second life is possible, but I would say I would, I would argue that unless you have an HMD, uh on your on your head then it doesn't count <laughs> it's not vr it's it's in the 3d world yet that but you are viewing in my mind it's not vr because you're viewing the 3d world through a flat screen in front of you um whereas with an hmd you're all around what are your memories of the event i mean what do you remember seeing as this ceremony was happening you know um I remember, um, you know, some of the the motions that we had we had to rehearse it, of course, and um, you know there was a, a little bit of virtual walking and a little bit of virtual flying to even come together, and then you know uh, I think a chariot was involved. Um, you know, th there were moments where the the trackers were. Um, not quite functioning just right. And so um, when I turned my head, you know, it was, um, you know, our, our uh, 3D models were 
right on top of each other. And so, you know, it, the, certainly the technology was not perfect, mm -hmm. but that wasn't even the point of the whole thing. Um, you know, the technology's not going to be perfect. And we sort of expected that we did have some people come up to us afterwards and say, you know, uh, and complain that I moved my head around too much and too fast. And so they're, they're, the POV monitor showing my point of view um, made them dizzy. <laughs> mm. So, you know, all those kinds of things where, um, uh, you know, I've seen trackers today. Um, it, today's companies have really, really impressed me uh, because that was part of the, you know, it became part of the experience, but, but, you know, we took it, we took it as just, that's just the way it is today was dealing with the latency. Hmm. Um, I can't even imagine how much better the experience would be if we did it today. And I hope someone does it today because that would just be really mind blowing. Um, and they would totally just, you know, just, you know, they could top what we did back then. Um, and I, I'd love to see someone do it. Yeah. Someone get on Kickstarter and start crowdfunding that, that project. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. let's get, yeah, that'd be, um, I sort of, no, I didn't sort of, I actually did skip, uh, the whole divert the first wave of virtual reality in the nineties. I, you know, um, I, I missed, I probably missed, you know, I'm not even aware if there were waves back in the 80s or the 70s, but like that, that big one in the 90s, like I missed it. And I don't have, you know, a, me a memory or recollection of, of what really happened unless I read it in articles or books. What was it like back then? How, what was the virtual reality scene slash industry slash community looking like? You know, what were the um, what were the uh, sorts of th thoughts that people shared about the technology? Um, in many ways, it's, it's like today feels except smaller. Um, you know, they're, they def they're definitely didn't feel like, um, I think when we were on the cusp of, um, there was a lot of buzz around the web. Um, and so, um, you know, people were looking at virtual reality and it wasn't quite matching like the general public, especially not matching what um, what their expectations were as VR was portrayed in the media and in the movies and TV. And so they would come down to the VR centers and they had very wild expectations of how um, perfect the technology was going to be. The people who worked around in, in the industry were as, um, you know, greatly um, imaginative around what we could do around VR, but certainly we couldn't imagine some of the things that I, I've seen today. Um, but there was a lot of energy around it. And, but the, one of the problems, as I said earlier, was just, it wasn't that accessible. VR programs, especially back then, took so much, you know, computing power that, um, you know, we just, we couldn't just, you know, it wasn't like accessible to just to anybody. No, it, it's not like today where, um, you know, so many more people can get the ha their hands on the the tools and get up on, uh, you know, up to speed on the skills to create these worlds. And the fact that there's, you know, things like Google Cardboard or what Dodo Case is, is doing just puts it in the hands of um, of you know, the ordinary person, whereas before it was, you know, it felt very inaccessible. Um, that's, that's my main memory. And also we just, we just pretty much accepted that, you know, especially the latency that that was part of, part of VR at the time. Um, and we watched people fall over and throw up and <laughs> all kinds of crazy things you know, stepping up to the, the VR pods. Um, but as someone who worked, um, you know, in the industry around all of these, um, uh, you know, developers of software and hardware, you know, it was a very exciting time until, um, of course, you know, the 
the internet and the web um, sort of took over in terms of the next wave. Yeah. Well, you know, I was, uh, I haven't seen a single person uh, throw up from the rift uh, since I've, I, I've had close calls. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> With DK1, I, I was, there were some, cl there were some calls in there. I was like, oh, oh, it's, it's yeah. something's <laughs> happening here. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you actually saw people throw up. Was that a thing? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and also, um, you know, the the flickering in the um, uh, any flickering in the head-mounted displays. If anyone was vulnerable, if they, you know, it could trigger like an epileptic seizure. Um, it, you know, so we had to make sure, and we had to, you know, be aware of all of all these things, and make sure that we warn people. Um, before they um, took advantage of, uh, you know, playing these games in our VR centers. Just uh, sort of a, not a random question, but but I think it is uh, uh, quite relevant. What do you, what do you think are the lessons that you know, the community, the VR community this time around, in 2014 can take from from the past you know what are some lessons that we can or some things that can be improved on this time around that you know that we can draw from last time that we're like all right that didn't work we can we should do this what do you think oh that's a really good question and i think it's um it's really more about who who's playing with it hmm. um i think back then it was so I hate to sound like a broken record, but so inaccessible that um, we weren't able to turn around and, uh, you know, really give the technology or put the technology in the hands of um, school-aged children, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, the, the, I, I feel like part of the interruption is that uh, it, we lost a little bit of continuity of excitement around the the, um, the technology and uh, sort of keep imagining and keep pushing the boundaries. It's great to see some of the, the luminaries of um, VR sort of come out of the woodwork today and then see all of the excitement around, you know, countless companies who are doing really amazing things today. Um, and, you know, someone said, oh, I, you know, said, talking to me, I should get married in, in VR again. Um, and I'm not really, it sounds like fun, but I've actually, I've, I'd actually rather see, um, someone push the boundary or do something that be, means a lot to them personally, um, uh, from the next generation, hmm. you know, like I'd like to turn around and, and say to my son, you know, here's some, uh, here's a really cool kit of stuff, you know, do something. Whereas before we didn't have that sort of intergenerational or cross-generational excitement around it because it was too expensive. Hmm. Um, so that's sort of a more practical thing. You know, I'm not um, a, an engineer. I see myself more as a cultural kind of observer who's uh, in love with this technology and uh, still am. Um, and so that's my takeaway is, uh, you know, put it in the hands of as many people as possible because it's so um, affordable and accessible now. I'd love to see VR, um, you know, taught in, in, in schools and have kids play with it. Yeah, that would be amazing. I think um, I just read an article. Uh, Brendan Uribe, the CEO of Oculus, just donated uh, something like $31 million to um, a university to start a, a virtual reality lab, I think. Uh, but that it's it's a sizable sum. And yeah. it's for education, and that's uh, I, I I like where you're I like yeah I'm with you all, all the way. Ed education and VR should be like you know peanut butter and jelly in a, on a delicious peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Um, what do you you know just you know 
from an anthropo anthropologist perspective, I can sort of relate to you in your, your, your journey in the sense that I come from a political science background. I have um, before, you know, like wanting to be in VR before discovering the Oculus Rift computers and software and, you know, just 3D graphics, all that stuff was, you know, were things that were interesting to me, but it weren't but they didn't have this thing, this this HMD that all of a sudden transported you to different worlds. That 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 like was the thing that was you know this is somewhere I need to be. But you know, I, at the same time, I keep my political science sort of uh, background in mind when I analyze what's happening and what's going on from an anthropologist perspective. How do you see VR will change? humans um and and you know uh, sorry if i get long-winded but the way I, I sort of phrase it is you know smartphones have changed us they ha they have they, they've changed our habits they've changed how we talk to each other how do you think vr will will change us well i think one of the things that we um uh, suffer from as as people is uh separating ourselves from from others who don't quite look like us or on the surface doesn't look like we have much in common with them. And so this, you know, notion of othering, like, um, I think that VR has the potential of closing that gap and helping us to be more empathetic um, and say, you know, if, if there's a conflict area, um, instead of, maybe just watching it on a flat screen, um, if you can drop someone into uh, the environment and be immersed in it, it could transform how you see other people that maybe you couldn't relate with before. Mm -hmm. um, and I really do see um, VR as a really powerful technology in terms of... Um, you can witness in front of your eyes someone transforming. Um, one of the demos that I'm sure, I mean, you've seen it in the last couple of meetup groups um, is a, um, a, a demo in a, like a Jedi training room. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I tried it and I loved it, like almost zero latency. So it really gave me a, a great appreciation for the technology today but what i also loved was watching other people put on the headset and it was almost right in front of your eyes they start transforming into this jedi yeah you see it's them true. sort of start to they start they smile and it was almost really it was the same for every person that that was immersed in that world they, they stand up a little straighter and they start doing these gestures that are not common gestures. You know, it's kind of exaggerated. Some of them look like they're fencing, but it was like, okay, we all know that none of us is a Jedi, but as soon as they put on all that gear and you're told you are a Jedi in training, they all, they, the, the, the technology and the, this immersive feeling transforms them almost really physically. Mm -hmm. um, so if the technology can do that with something that simple, um, I can only imagine what it could do in terms of, you know, the emotions they could tap into. Um, and again, sort of um, becoming more empathetic if you were put it into, put into an, you know, immersed in, in a world that you weren't exposed to before and you got to know that world and almost virtually walked in other people's shoes um, who were not like you, um, you know, that could close this, this lack of empathy gap. Yeah, I'm so going back really quick on the, the whole Jedi thing, you described to the T the exact reaction I had when I and, and and probably like how I imagine I looked when I tried this Jedi uh, demo from Sixth Sense. Uh -huh. It was because um, I remember I was like, 
all of a sudden, you know, I, I had the headphones, I had the, I had the DK2, and it just didn't matter who was around me. And, you know, it, yeah. it, all the, I, there was, it, it was, it's funny because people really let go of their dignity, like really easily all of a sudden, like, you know, and, and it's, it's cool because it's SVBR, it's, it's a place where you're supposed to be doing that, and it, I mean, it doesn't matter, but you still, it, the thought that you are in public, you know, with, a bunch of strangers and you're just waving your arms around with this thing and laughing at you, at yourself uh, with it's just it's 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 amazing it's fascinating because you you do change and i was getting um i was in a conversation with sebastian kuntz and he was talking about how in v, if you create a vr simulation where someone is superman they will actually you will actually raise their confidence levels and mm. it's and, and it's that in that same vein that jedi demo made me a bit more confident when i walked away from it i was i was just a, a bit more uppy and uppity it was just uh yeah yeah it was great uh so the empathy thing though i am one of it's one of those things that is just the most important th aspects of this technology because as we speak I feel like in the 21st century, humanity is facing a crisis of empathy. We just don't, we just lack the time uh, and uh, the I, I maybe hopefully the, the will because we're so distracted from caring about each other and trying mm -hmm. to introspect and try to empathize with what our fellow human is going through. Like, And so VR could come in and immerse you in a place where there are no Twitter feeds and Instagram posts and Tinder messages—it's all you're there, and you're, and you're facing the reality that someone else is facing. You know, somewhere in Somalia, somewhere in Pakistan, some wherever in the world it is that people are suffering. Like we should be able to—I think it is moral, a moral obligation to tap into. The, or have the ability and the choice to tap into the suffering that is happening around the world because that way you know we connect with each other and i think as a as, as sort of like a multi-conscious hive mind that is starting to grow out of this thing we might be able to like start fixing stuff around uh I, but i don't know I'm, I'm i'm one of the crazy ones i think that vr is gonna change humanity forever but uh i want to get your thoughts on how powerful this can be do you think you know what are the what is what is the your like your most far-fetched your most um high, high optimistic vision for the future of virtual reality wow um yeah that's a pretty big question um yeah i i do think that the 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 technology has that potential and especially if we keep in mind um, that as much as we play with it and, you know, use it maybe to um, escape some of the harsh realities of day-to-day -day life, I mean, there's certainly, again, there's something wrong with that if it helps you, um, you, know, uh, you know, take some downtime off of, uh, out of, you know, the, the, the real world, but also, like you said, to, you know, um, connect with, with other people by, uh, being immersed in some of, and confront some of the hard things in, in life, like in these conflict zones. Um, it's hard to say, you know, I'm just getting back into plugging back into the community. Certainly I was like, Hmm, an interesting Oculus looks interesting, but we've seen that before. How much better is it in terms of the the quality? Um, so I feel like I'm still a, a kid in the candy store looking at all these demos and 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 everything. Um, uh, you know, in the past, our wildest dreams took us to, uh, you know, more like a holodeck kind of experience. Hmm. You know. Um, that's where people, you know, it's like shed all the hardware and be somehow immersed in the same way. It evokes some of those and tap into all of those same feelings, but not with so much hardware. Um, so that would be interesting to to see, because I think even back then that was the expectation. Oh, you mean so I'm going to feel like I'm in the holodeck. 
Well, no, not exactly, <laughs> you know, because you do have, you know, you feel the weight of the the HMD. Some of it, you know, again, the latency was was, was a problem. Um, and so a combination of what we do with, um, you know, HMDs and also without them would be really fascinating to see evolve, um, you know, in this new iteration. And I just hope, you know, and I'm crossing my fingers that this time, um, this time around, that there's enough um, momentum and energy and and all of this that um, we won't see VR interrupted like we did in, in, in the past, that it's, it does have, have a place and it has, you know, um, great potential for all kinds of um, applications. So it's not just technology for technology's sake. Mm -hmm. Um, if it can, uh, you know, if we can be delighted and surprised with stuff that makes us more human, even as we, um, you know, equip ourselves and surround ourselves with all this technology, then, you know, even better. Um, it's hard to say, you know, my wildest dreams because some of some of the stuff that I've seen has have already surpassed it, and so I'm just getting to up to that point. I'm catching up to you, Chris, and going, okay, so here's where it is today. You know, what's next and what is possible? So I'm still re I'm rediscovering VR before I can answer that question really fully. I love your perspective, and I, and I love the fact that you bring along a healthy dose of skepticism and perhaps, you know, just um, hesitation of jumping immediately on 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 Oculus's or Morpheus's or VR, Samsung VR's bandwagon because I am guilty of this all the time. I'm I'm in the bubble, and I sort of forget that oh snaps. This could this could end. This isn't this isn't a done deal. Like it it could still, you know, in my mind there is a good, uh, I, and I'm being I'm being awfully pessimistic here. There's like a five percent chance that this might fail. Um, this is, but I'm so certain that it's gonna be a thing. I don't know what kind of thing it will be, but it'll yeah. be a thing. Um, that I I sort of you know get blinded by. And, and that's not good. Oops, sorry. That's not good because you need to um, be able to anticipate uh, p potential challenges. Where do you think, um, if at all, there will be potential challenges for this technology? Uh, is there going to be in our culture? Is it going to be in our politics? Is it going to be in economic ch challenges? What do you think? Um, you know, I think um, cultural acceptance of it um it's you know we, we know all the, the the buzz around uh the watch the watch watch just like the book book um and we all sort of look at it a little bit sideways like okay what's this watch thing about um the the good thing about this um all these uh, gear currently is that it it feels familiar and it feels natural there's an element of vr that when you put on a head-mounted display, um, it it can open up worlds, but it can also be restrictive. You can't be walking around while you have a head-mounted display on, uh, at least for most of them. I think there's capabilities of being able to do that. Um, uh, I'm, the, the name of the, the company in Santa Cruz is escaping me. I think it, they might be Seabright. I don't know if you've come across them. Yep, um, where and, it yeah, doesn't, cool. it doesn't, uh, you know, your, your, your site isn't completely obscured. Um, so, you know, you can still take advantage of peripheral vision and you can do some wandering around in the physical space. Um, but there's something that about VR that on some level, it does feel very, um, I don't want to say a novelty, but it is sort of special in that way. And it doesn't feel um, 100% natural, like maybe, you know, you can put something on your wrist and it's you go about your day. Um, you have to be, you have to, um, it's much more of a very conscious choice. Mm. I'm going to be immersed. And for a time, I'm not going to be wandering around in a physical space. And you know, so in that sense, it's restrictive. 
But once you're immersed in the world, then it feels like everything opens up, you know, because it's a brand new world and it puts a smile on your face and it's, you know, you feel like an explorer. Um, so it's got this really um, interesting dichotomy about it. It's restrictive and it opens up your world at the same time. Um, so, you know, I think part of it just looks and feels so um, novel that some people might say culturally, it's not for me. Hmm. Um, are you still there, Monica? Yeah. Okay. That Yeah. The, um, I'm, I'm, that's uh, I, I like your uh, sort of the way you framed it. You know, you are restricted and yet not at the same time. It's sort of how I've been reading here and there with VR, go nowhere, but be everywhere. Um, yeah. Which is, it's, which is an interesting, kind of beautiful contradiction. I, I, but, um, I, you know, I, uh, it's so early to see where, you know, how us humans will adapt to it and, you know, what sorts of new cultural memes will come up with as it evolves. Uh, but I don't want to stay around all the time on just positive I, you know I want to get your opinion on perhaps the negative aspects will, will there be negative aspects and if so what do you think those might be um I think that um, you know do we use it as a as a crutch um, and and you know for in our interaction do we um, you know just for the love of VR, where you know to be immersed in it all the time and lean on it as our main way to connect with people, you know, what are some of the consequences of you know interacting with real people? I mean, you know, at SVVR and um, the um, also the the San Francisco you know VR meetup uh, SFVR. Um, part of the great thing is that we are all there. Um, you know, it, last night in this uh, sweat box of a room, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and nothing replaces that. As much as we all love VR, it, you know, part of the great thing was experiencing it. Uh, it felt like a safe place to look, you know, at times really silly. Uh, you know, waving your 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 arms around and all this stuff. It felt like a safe place. But I, you know, I do hope that you know we 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 keep it balanced. We keep it balanced. I feel like there could there could be a reasonable compromise that uh, that could and yeah that could enable that could be enabled through technology, for example. Uh, because I I I feel like there's. It's just being able to go to SVVR and the SFVR and all the VR meetups in the Bay Area is it's just such a uh, to me it just feels like I'm 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 so lucky to be in this you know geographical have this geographical roll of the dice and you know just be able to be be raised here like that I'm, yeah. I'm it's and not many people around the world have this opportunity so I'm thinking like you know let's have those meetups. Um, and perhaps we can have a VR server that will that that anybody can plug in with the Rift, and at the same time that the meetups are happening, then you have this VR chat esque server going on at the same time where anybody can plug it in from around the world. And if you wear augmented reality goggles in the real world, you'll see the avatars of the people in virtual reality, and maybe you can interact with them. And so you have this mix of like. Uh, real life interaction mixed with VR, um, maybe, maybe that might be a solution. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm with you. I mean, we were spoiled living in this bubble that we get to see all of this, you know, live and in person. Um, and yeah, if if we can, um, you know, also have everyone tap into that, um, you know virtually then that would be great yeah definitely yeah but you know to, to me um having seen it i definitely i definitely enjoy 100 percent being there in person yeah me too it, yeah that i eat this it's worth the sweat box uh it's worth <laughs> it's, it's worth the sweating uh so 
yeah, what are what other applications, you know, outside of uh, we sort of talked about, you know, getting married. Um, and I actually thought about this. Do you think that eventually in the future we will commoditize the business of getting married in virtual reality and people will have, you know, it's something I think you've just sort of just touched that a little while ago. But, you know, I wonder how far that could go. And if it becomes too far, like, like all of a sudden people can have just the weirdest weddings in VR. Um, and then, yeah, like the will will it even? Huh, I don't know. Will it become immoral at that point? Like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you went there. Um, <laughs> you used the I word. I um, so I think you pose a really interesting question because one of the one of the things that happened in um, uh, right after our wedding was um, there was a professor. Um, you know, I don't want to say the wrong the wrong university, but I believe it was someone in um, Pennsylvania who who looked at our wedding and and said, um, "Was that legal? So hmm. was it immoral? Was it legal? All these different questions have come up, you know. And because we were in the same space, it passed all of those those tests. But in in virtual reality, you don't need the bride and groom to be in the same physical space. Mm-hmm. So um, weddings like this, which is a, um, you know, that that needs to be legalized, is that, is it, will it pass those tests, you know, of, of legality if it's just 100% was conducted in a um, virtual environment? Um, so I think that's an interesting question. You know, it erases all kinds of borders naturally and um, virtually. And so... Um, you know, we have to, the legislation and the laws will have to catch up um, before it can be really sort of commoditized, like you said. Um, it, to me, that's really, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very interesting question. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things that also happened right after our wedding was um, there was a documentary called Synthetic Pleasures, and it, it was all about these man-made spaces and man-made environments and our wedding was included. It was just a very, really short clip. Hmm. And so, um, you know, there's always this question of, was it real? Did it really happen? Does it, you know, uh, you know, is it binding <laughs> whatever you do in, in the virtual environment? Um, and what is illegal and legal in the vir- virtual environment? really fascinating areas to dive into yeah it it, it truly is uh, i want to ask you about and this is a, a topic i sort of struggle with because you know and the issue is women in vr i i feel like there's not enough i feel like there should be more where are they why isn't there um but but, but why is it that way uh and and i want to and, and the thing that I struggle with is like, you know, I personally, I don't like, I just want you to see me as a human being. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to, I, I, I like where I, I was born. I like where I was raised, but, and, and I like, if I can be politically correct, I like having a penis, but, but I want you to see me as a human being. And, and, and because of that, I struggle with this question where, you know, I, what I'm seeing is, is does not you know the, what I'm seeing is is sort of hard for me to not bring up, which is the fact that there's you know these VR events, and I feel like there needs to be more women in them. How yeah. do you think this can be achieved? How how do you how do you think you know VR can be uh, brought to the other gender? I, I, do you see where I'm going here? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, th- this actually came up last night in a quick conversation that I had with, um, you remember the group called, uh, the company called Specular Theory. Mm-hmm. And they um, had a um, filmmaking uh, kind of cinema application of VR. And um, when we broke to, you know, check out demos, they came up to the top of my mind. And everything, after I heard everything that I heard, they were um, the ones that I wanted to see. Mm -hmm. And so I walked over there. 
and there were not very many women in the room, but it seemed like they were all in that corner. And I pointed this out to um, the, the, you know, the, the person representing specular theory. And I said, do you notice that everyone lined up for your demo are women? Everyone is a woman. And if he, he tiptoed to, to, to look over the crowd and to see if there were other women in the crowd, I think they were, they were probably at the um, other demo stations. But everyone who uh, all, I would say, you know, the majority, if not the overwhelming majority, probably almost, I can confidently say almost 100% of the, the women who were looking for demos went and gravitated towards that corner. You know, which hmm. to me was just sort of an interesting thing to notice. Yeah. Um, they wanted to, you know, it, it was it was the most compelling application that drew the women to that corner. It was like a magnet. Oh, you talked about, you know, it was, I think they showed some scenes of American beauty. And so I think um, when women get their hands on VR, they want to do something that, um reflects and plays back the culture that they live in. Um, and, you know, there's, there's definitely room for that, and I'd love to see more of it. Why, what was it, so I, uh, speculative theory, if you're listening to the show, I apologize, I did not get to see your demo, but what was it that they were showing? Why, uh, why, that is, that is interesting. Why do you think there were women, um, at that line? Uh, I think the promise of being dropped into a scene of a movie and just sort of sitting in the middle of this and being able to um, interact with uh, characters, you know, was a, 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 a version or an application of VR that... Um, felt, you know, it feels very human, but it also feels like, well, unless I'm an actor, you know, I'm not, it's, it's inaccessible to, to just walk onto a movie set. Mm. Um, and, you know, films are a, just it's an amazing art form for an, an expression of our culture and to be dropped into it. It's just very compelling, hmm. you know? Um, you know, I, I'm not going to speak for all women, but I did notice what I noticed last night, which was me without prompting, me without consulting, you know, other women in the room. I followed where the other women went. It felt very natural. How interesting. Speculative yeah. theory. Uh, I'm going to have these guys on the podcast. They uh, they must be. Um... What 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 wizardry are they employing? I must know. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, this has been a fascinating talk. I'm going to start bringing things to a close, but I'm I, but I hope you have a, a quick couple minutes to jump into the rabbit hole rabbit hole with me because this is a point in, in, in which in the show we talk about some of the weird things that are in my mind, just completely off the top of my head. And uh, here you go. Uh, first question. Uh, would you ever want to travel to space? And do you think we will ever uh, witness humans colonizing other uh, celestial bodies in our lifetime? Yes, and I hope so. I would definitely go. Ooh. Would you get married again in space? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Why not? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that was a no-brainer for sure. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. Yeah, I. I. I get excited every time I think about space. So I sort of. I tend to ask these random space e questions. Um, but I also tend to ask other random questions like, uh, you know, are you more of a dog or a cat person? I don't want to betray. I live with one dog person and one cat person, <laughs> and I straddle that line. Um, I love, I love, 
I love the, the emotions I feel around dogs, but I love the no work around cats. Mm. Cats are very low maintenance. Yeah. What it, is it the personality in the animal? Is it the way they act also that, that uh, attracts you to them? Or, um, you know, is it because dogs just, you know, they, they, if they want attention, they'll come in and like nudge you until you give them attention. Well, cats can do that too. Hmm. Definitely. Um, I, I've witnessed it personally. Um, uh, you know, cats are notoriously aloof and dogs just love you unconditionally. Hmm. So it's, um, yeah, it's, cool. it's hard to pick that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, uh, you've, uh, you've answered this question very diplomatically. Uh, so, so uh, you pass, you pass the test. Would you rather have the ability to talk to animals or the ability to like to teleport and be the animal for a short period of time? I would love to be able to teleport. Hmm. Because yeah. I'd, I'd want to really sort of walk in their shoes and not just talk to them about their experience. What would be the first animal that you would want to walk in their shoes? If they wore shoes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. Hmm, gosh, that's a tough one. Um, so many to choose from. Um, I think this is coming out from sort of out of left field and I'm surprising myself. The elephant. Hmm. Why? Why the elephant? Just its massive size. I want to know what it feels like. Hmm. That is. That's a. Yeah. That's a. Yeah. And my. They, mind you, they have such huge brains. There must be. Must be something going on inside that. Those heads. Um, yeah. Because they. They. They mourn like. Like they. They have such amazing memory. Uh, yeah. I. Hmm. I. W I might. It's a totally different vantage point. You know, that's I wouldn't it. pick an animal that's sort of, okay, that could be a human size. I want a totally different perspective. For Maybe sure. a giraffe. <laughs> but elephant was my first pick. So I'll stick with that. Nice. Last rabbit hole question. Would you rather travel forward into the future or travel to the past? Oh, and it's a one-way ticket. Sorry. Definitely forward. Okay. Why forward? Um... I think I'm in full acceptance that the past is the past. You can't change it. And I want to be future-minded. I like that. Monica Joe. you have been a lady, a scholar, and a hero of virtual reality. Uh, I'd like to thank you once again for your time. And if at all, are you interested in, in, in get, get, you know having people get in touch with you or, or follow you and what you're up to? If so, are there links or Twitter accounts that we can uh following yeah you know i'm a i'm a fairly low-key person that's probably why you haven't really found me and you just now came across but if if people want to follow um i'm at monica joe uh, on twitter and monica with a k i know m-o-n-i-k-a-j-o cool i will uh put that in the show notes and yeah it was a, it was a blast thank you again well thank you i loved it